a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. Episode 84 today of this program, Live Mike. I am in a great mood as today's program begins. There is good news from all corners. We had a great weekend, of course. Uh, It was a little bit different than Easter's of yesteryear, but uh, it was a good way to, uh, I think, uh, kind of try new things and connect with folks in different ways and worship uh, and remember and ponder in ways that we've never done before. And uh, that's sometimes a good thing. When you mix things up and change things up, it's a good way to to discover and feel and learn new things. And I, uh, at least for my part and my family's part, we did exactly that over this past weekend. How, how did your weekend go? Did you enjoy yourselves? Uh, any any big uh, changes or new uh, revelations you had as a family, new experiences? Uh, I, I'd love to hear from you. 575 Zero zero is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, also, do you have some of those family photos where you get all dressed up and uh, where the boys and dad have a matching tie and the uh, little ladies and mom have matching dresses? I Listen, in years past, I wasn't too excited by those, but I've got my own family now and a little baby daughter, Piper. Uh, I so much enjoy seeing those. I like seeing happy families together uh, and I wouldn't mind if you'd share those with me at uh, my little Facebook page there. Uh, you just click on there, Facebook, Lee Lonsberry is my name. You'll find it. Uh, I went running this morning. This uh, Listen, this story is going to be one of those explanabrag things where I uh, highlight something really cool that I did myself while at the same time telling a larger story. Well, I went running this morning. Oh, how far did I go, did you ask? 6.4 miles. That's more than a 10K, not too bad. Uh, well, I did that this morning. I did a, a, a big lap of downtown Salt Lake City. The last leg was on South Temple, and I was coming down the road, and I went past uh, the Masonic Temple, uh, the Governor's Mansion, and I also ran past the uh, headquarters of the Orrin uh, Hatch Foundation. It's there on South Temple, just near the Governor's Mansion, uh, one of those big uh, old homes on State or on South Temple, rather. It looks so pretty. Uh, you wonder about who uh, who built it, and they all have fascinating histories. Uh, if you ever get the time, uh, Google around and learn the history of some of the architecture on that street. The people who occupied those structures uh, are really the people that uh, that put this city and this state together. It's fascinating stuff, and depending on you know, your your attitude and your interest in these types of things, I think you might find some cool information there. Anyway, uh, on South Temple is the headquarters of the Orrin G. Hatch Foundation. Orrin Hatch, of course, as you know, uh, served as a senator here in the state of Utah for a long, long time. Anyway, uh, Amy, producer Amy here, she shared with me, excuse me, I got one of those little tickles in my throat. Uh, She shared with me an op-ed written 
by Orrin Hatch. He published it in the Washington Examiner. Uh, not sure why he didn't choose a local paper for that, but anyway, uh, I digress. He published this in the Washington Examiner, and the headline reads, Hope in the Time of Coronavirus. And th there are so many folks that are speaking uh, along these very lines, myself included. Uh, I, you try to live in a way where your glass is half full and uh, you want to be optimistic, rose-colored glasses and all that. And uh, the, the, the senator here uh, weighed in on, along those lines. Uh, he had a fascinating uh, attitude when he talked uh, about this stuff. And one of the things he mentioned was comparing our resolve and our strength and our ability to endure things like we're facing right now in the coronavirus. He compared that to times in history when uh, not only Americans, but human beings have faced uh, just tough, tough times. And we have in the past demonstrated our ability to overcome. And he, uh, Senator Hatch, selected a few examples of those uh, one of them touches on World War II, and I was uh, I was grateful that he mentioned it because, uh, coincidentally, as I was running this morning and I went past the, the Orrin Hatch Foundation, in my ear I was listening to uh, – I do books on tape when I run. And this morning I was listening to uh, a book called The Splendid and the Vile. It's written by Eric Larson. Uh, if you remember years ago, there was that popular book called The Devil in the White City. It was about that murderer, H.H. H. Holmes, and the Chicago World's Fair and how those two or how that uh, individual, H.H. Uh, H. Holmes, and the Chicago World's Fair, how they uh, intersected. Fascinating book. Uh, and Mr. Larson, the author, has written a number of books subsequent. His latest, uh, released not that long ago, is called, again, The Splendid and the Vile. And it's essentially the story. Well, I'm only about a third of the way through, so I can't, I can't give you a full review. But the story thus far is chronicling the experience of Winston Churchill as he served as prime minister during uh, the very uh, first days of Germany's attack on Europe, specifically on the German Air Force's attack on the Royal Air Force, the RAF, and what the, uh, the British, uh, you know, under Winston Churchill's direction, what they did to respond and combat that. Anyway, so when I, when I saw... The, the senator, Senator Hatch, mentioned World War II uh, in this. I knew uh, it was a good opportunity to, to hear from uh, Winston Churchill. And Producer Amy pulled up some good audio for us in a second. We'll listen to that in just a moment. Uh, but what Senator Hatch did was he talked first about the Great Depression. Uh, and he talked about uh, how during that time with the economy in tatters, the public rallied around society's most vulnerable people. He went on to claim that later on we uh, together rebuilt and from the ashes, these are Senator Hatch's words, from the ashes was born the strongest, most prosperous economy in the history of the world. Uh, this is probably an appropriate time for us to listen to just a, a few minutes of Franklin D. Roosevelt's inaugural address, The Only Thing We Have to Fear is uh, Fear Itself. Uh, Producer Amy pulled this up. Uh, and why don't we take the next two minutes and listen to this section of that great speech right now. ...of national consecration. And I am certain that on this day my fellow Americans expect that on my induction into the presidency I will address them with a candor and a decision with the present situation of our people impelled. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief 
that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. We face our common difficulties. They concern, thank God, only material things. The withered leaves of industrial enterprise lie on every side. Farmers find no market for their produce, and the savings of many years and thousands of families are gone. More important, a host of unemployed citizens face the grim problem of existence, and an equally great number toil with little return. Only a foolish optimist can deny the dark realities of the moment. And yet we are stricken by no plague of locusts compared with the perils which our forefathers conquered. We have still much to be thankful for. Nature still offers her bounty, and human efforts have multiplied it. Plenty is at our doorstep. Practices of the unscrupulous money changers stand indicted in the court of public opinion, rejected by the hearts and minds of men. All right, there's FDR during his inaugural address, 1933. It would be seven years later that World War II was knocking uh, on our door and the door of Winston Churchill as he uh, led Great Britain. I've got to take a break right now. When we come back, I want to share with you more of what Senator Hatch uh, had to say and what I think are some appropriate windows into history, those spoken by uh, Winston Churchill. And then later, President George W. Bush as he addressed the nation from the Oval Office following the terror attacks of September 11th. Good lessons of human and American resolve uh, written by Senator Orrin Hatch. I'll continue sharing those with you next on Live Mike. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. <clears throat> Listen, what we've been doing. Uh, over the past segment is walking through uh, an op-ed published by uh, former Utah Senator Orrin Hatch under the headline Hope in the Time of Coronavirus. Thus far, we have seen the comparisons that the senator has drawn between those who faced uh, and stared down the Great Depression, ultimately emerging on the other side uh, victorious and with the most prosperous country uh, or the most proper, prosperous economy, rather, in the history of the world. Uh, in just a moment, we're going to move on to some of the comparisons uh, or some of the lessons learned by uh, World War II as described 
by Senator Hatch. But first, let me give you a look ahead at what we're going to be covering uh, later on in the program today. You heard Nick Wyatt there make mention of a press conference coming up here pretty shortly. We will be hearing again from state epidemiologist uh, Dr. Angela Dunn. <clears throat> also going to be hearing from Val Hale. He's addressed us once before in this setting. He is the executive director of the governor's office of economic development. Go ahead. Val Hell will be speaking to us. That's expected to kick off at uh, just after 1.30. We're going to bring that, as we have been doing every day since they commenced, in its entirety. And then uh, later on, I want to have a conversation with you. I want to talk to you a little bit about how you're doing. Uh, I'd like to get some advice and some lessons from you and maybe share a few with you myself. Uh, that's about 2 o'clock. And then uh, to wrap up the program today, we're going to be speaking to uh, gubernatorial candidate John Huntsman. John Huntsman Jr. Uh, just not too long ago made it known that he has officially reached the threshold of 28,000 certified signatures to secure himself a position on the primary ballot. We've spoken to the other candidates as they have crossed that threshold. Uh, we will do the same uh, with candidate Huntsman. Uh, he'll join us here just before 3 o'clock, see how things are going on that campaign and how it feels uh, to on the day of the deadline, just under the wire. Uh, he sneaks by with uh, the sufficient number of signatures to find himself a spot on the primary ballot. You know what? Uh, I'll tell you right now. Uh, I've got the site open here, elections.utah.gov. It's the one where uh, you can learn all about the candidates. And on here, it in nearly real time will make known the number of certified signatures, all the signatures certified uh, by the lieutenant governor's office to appear on the primary ballot. And uh, again, three gubernatorial candidates so far have uh, eclipsed that threshold, and they will likely be the only three, unless there's some uh, crazy surprise that we're unaware of. Uh, but, uh, but John Huntsman Jr. today uh, has 20, and remember, the, the threshold is 28,000. He has 28,005. 28,005. Now, there may be more uh, you know, adequate or certifiable signatures, but uh, of all of those posted by <clears throat> the lieutenant governor's office, uh, specifically under the direction of the director of elections, uh, 28,005. Uh, 28,026, the number secured by Spencer Cox and in the Thomas Wright campaign, uh, he secured 28,197. Anyway, uh, I just thought those numbers were interesting, how close they were to the margin. Uh, John Huntsman Jr. will be my guest at the end of today's program. Now back to, back to the op-ed drafted by Senator Orrin Hatch. Again, the headline he chose is, Hope in the Time of Coronavirus. He reminds us that there is reason to uh, shun the loss of hope. And I agree with that 100%. And I also don't want to get too caught up in, uh, you know, dwelling on that. I, over the weekend, if I'm honest, uh, found myself kind of in a, a routine that felt normal. Uh, I did a little bit of exercise, uh, cleaned up around the house with my wife and beautiful little baby Piper. We had some good food for Easter. Uh, the one big change is that in terms of, uh, like, worshiping on Easter, we did that all through live stream, sat there in the living room, watched it on TV. Uh, but that was okay. You know, we've got a few weeks and have become pretty accustomed to doing much of our uh, living of life through either a Zoom or a Facebook Live or any of the number, any number of the video streaming services. Anyway, back to the op-ed. World War II. Senator Hatch says that during World War II, with the future of Western civilization hanging in the balance, we marshaled the indomitable will of the American public and the vast resources of this country to defeat fascism on both sides of the globe. 
almost overnight, we became a world superpower. He's absolutely right. I mentioned also in the last segment that I've been reading this book that chronicles the experience of Winston Churchill during World War II as he served as prime minister. I want to share with you some of his words uh, when we as humans here on earth uh, faced World War II uh, and he, in an effort to uh, rally support uh, amongst uh, those in the House of Commons and also the the people of Great Britain, he shared uh, these words, uh, specifically talking about victory and how victory must be achieved at all costs. I would say to the House, as I said to those who have joined the government, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind. We have before us many, many long months of struggle and of suffering. You ask, what is our policy? I will say, it is to wage war by sea, land, and air with all our might and with all the strength that God can give us, to wage war against a monstrous tyranny never surpassed in the dark and lamentable catalogue of human crime. That is our policy. You ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word, victory. Victory at all costs. We must wage war with all our might and all the strength which God gave us. Obviously, the parallel is a little different here. We are not talking about uh, combating uh, the, the, the Germans or the Japanese. We are, in fact, talking about waging war on this uh, invisible threat, the coronavirus. But I think when we talk about strength and mustering all of our might, uh, we, we ought to look at what we do have within uh, our abilities and we will uh, certainly defeat this enemy if we do uh, muster all of our might. And that is uh, in adherence to all of this good guidance that we get from the medical professionals, the social distancing advice and all that. Uh, and also, as you heard addressed in the coronavirus call-in program hosted by Jeff Kaplan, we also need to keep our minds right. You got that? We got to uh, figure it out to figure out what it it requires uh, to stay sane and to stay productive and to remain uh, good uh, sons and daughters and husbands and wives and to exist with all uh, measure of normalcy we can achieve uh, in these unique circumstances. Winston Churchill shared those words that we just aired uh, in May of 1840, uh, and it was just a month later uh, in June of 19, did I say 18? 1940, uh, Churchill in June of 1940, it's when he uh, delivered those uh, famous remarks uh, again to the House of Commons uh, where he called upon those uh, to, to live our uh, finest hour. Here's uh, what he had to say. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duty. And so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its Commonwealth Last for a thousand years, men will still say, this was their finest hour. Our finest hour may very well be the one in which we are living now. This is uh, an odd threat. It's irregular. It is one which has impacted us in a way uh, dissimilar to any impact in the past. And uh, it is calling upon a unique behavior uh, to fight this fight. Anyway... 
Let me get back to the last point made by Senator Hatch in his op-ed titled Hope in the Time of Coronavirus. He, again, is reaching back into history, finding examples of Americans and humans around the globe uh, standing up to a challenge and emerging on the other side victorious. His last uh, parallel uh, was one he drew between what we are facing today and September 11th. I have just a minute left, and with that minute, I want to share with you uh, about 60 seconds of some of the words shared by President George W. Bush as he addressed the nation from the Oval Office uh, during those dark days. Terrorist attacks can shake the foundations of our biggest buildings, but they cannot touch the foundation of America. These acts shatter steel but they cannot dent the steel of American resolve. America was targeted for attack because we're the brightest beacon for freedom and opportunity in the world, and no one will keep that light from shining. Today our nation saw evil, the very worst of human nature, and we responded with the best of America, with the daring of our rescue workers, with the caring for strangers and neighbors who came to give blood, and help in any way they could. Immediately following the first attack, I implemented our government's emergency response plans. Our military is powerful, and it's prepared. Our emergency teams are working in New York City and Washington, D.C. to help with local rescue efforts. Our first priority is to get help to those who have been injured and to take every precaution to protect our citizens at home and around the world from further attacks. All right, there it is. You can uh, think about those events in history, compare them to uh, the battle we're facing today, draw from that any uh, any help and advice you might. Uh, I, I am greatly encouraged by the successes of our ancestors and those who came before us. Uh, let's take some of their strength and apply it to the fight we are engaged in today. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we will likely be joining uh, the press conference, uh, the daily press conference hosted by state epidemiologist Dr. Angela Dunn with a guest today of Val Hale, executive director from the governor's office of economic development. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.